to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. As we've been uh, studying through concerning grace and what grace is, today we're going to be looking at the new birth. Uh, This is the result of grace on us. This is what it brings. There are other things that grace brings in us, but this is the first thing that it's accomplished Excuse me. in us when saving grace is brought uh, to us is the new birth. And today, we, we, uh, this term is very much a biblical term. We find it here in John chapter 3 as the Lord speaks to this very issue. And um, we use that term today, and people look at you like you're crazy, uh, talking about being born again. If you ask somebody, have you been born again? They, they look at you just like Nicodemus. We can imagine Nicodemus looking at the Lord here when he hears these same words. Um, the same uh, uh, way that they look at us is likely the exact same way Nicodemus looked at the Lord in hearing these things. People want us to use terms today like saved or believer or child of God because these terms are easier to explain away than born again. Uh, that, that requires something a little bit more. There's nothing wrong with those terms, saved or believer or child of God, but, but born again, it, it specifies a, a particular event that can't, be, that can't be explained away with something else. You know, To say someone is saved, uh, that well, yeah, I, I went up front. Uh, I said a prayer. I did this. I did that. I, I so I'm saved. You know, to to say that uh, a child of God. Well, we're all we're created by God, so we're all children of God. And that's so. There's there's ways that people get around all of these words. And I'm sure if somebody tries hard enough, they can get around born again. But it it requires an experience. It requires something taking place in us. It makes it a little bit more difficult to get around uh, trying to explain it away, you see. And so we read here in verse 1, as the Lord speaks here in Nicodemus, we'll read from verse 1 down through verse 21 as we read this this passage here of this this, uh, time that the Lord meets with him. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles except thou doest, that thou doest rather, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, or truly, truly, that's what that verily means. Truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. 
Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, not rather, is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue on now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. We pray that you help us now as we study your word, that you'd open it before us and give us understanding of these things. Help us, Lord, that we would learn of you. Help us, Father, that we would be assured in our stand concerning your word, that we might rejoice in what you've accomplished in us, especially around this new birth that can only come from you. We thank you, Lord, for this. Open your word. Give us understanding, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he wants to know more. He's heard these reports about the Lord. He's heard what others have said about Him. Uh, Maybe he's heard of some of the miracles that had been performed already at this time. Uh, We know at least of the marriage in Cana. Uh, that took place there um, uh, in uh, John chapter 2 speaks to that as he would turn the water into wine. Uh, Maybe he heard the Lord's teaching sometime before that. Whatever the case may be, he had heard enough about the Lord that he knew the things that were happening by him had to come from God. That this was not something that was fake. This was not something that was coming from man that this was not some simply an illusion or a magic trick that was being performed, but there was enough about him that he knew Jesus was really somebody sent from God. Now, who that so he 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 probably had an idea, uh, was probably afraid to say it at this point. We know what the Scripture teaches us that Nicodemus would become a believer. Uh, he would be one that would follow Christ. Nicodemus would be he and, and Joseph of Arimathea, in fact, were the two that would take the body of Jesus and put it in Joseph's borrowed tomb 
uh, Nicodemus would be a part with him in that to bury the Lord. And so Nicodemus would, would become a believer. He would follow, but he doesn't hear, at least, uh, in this conversation, or we don't have record of it anyway, of him coming to, to faith in the Lord here at this passage at this time. But he comes to question. He wants to know more about the Lord. And so he, he comes with that flattery there in verse 2. Uh, no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You must be. We know. He calls him rabbi or teacher. He calls him that. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. And he, I don't believe he's. I don't believe he's just. It's flattery, but I don't believe he's just saying it for flattery. I believe Nicodemus believes that. I believe that's the reason he's saying it. I believe he truly. I believe he truly means what. The compliments he was giving the Lord there in verse number 2. I believe he truly meant that. But the Lord sidesteps that goes immediately to what Nicodemus needs there in verse number 3. And declares to him the need to be born again. The need to be born again. And we see there the necessity in verse number 3 of the new birth. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Must must have the new birth. Must be born again or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You do not have salvation. Without that new birth, you do not have Christ. You must, you must be born again. And so there's a necessity of this new birth. And the reason of the necessity of it is God's kingdom is a holy spiritual kingdom. It is holy because He is the God of it. It is a spiritual kingdom because that's what He's made. That's what He's declared. And so if man wishes to enter in, if man desires to have a part in that holy spiritual kingdom, he must be made holy and he must be made spiritually alive in order to be a part of that kingdom. The new birth is the only possible entry into God's kingdom. Now, in salvation, God does two things for us. Uh, well, he does more than two things, but two, two major points. He gives us a new birth, and He adopts us as His own. And so we are twice made in this work that He does for us. We are twice made the children of God. Done so by birth, in the new birth, and done so by an adoption, legally, you see. And so he, he, he gives, in a sense, a, a birth and then a legal adoption for us. The legal adoption gives us a position in God. It gives us a place in Him. It makes us co-heirs with Christ Jesus of the blessings of the kingdom of God makes us heirs and joint heirs, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, with our Lord. But it, it's not enough to get us into the kingdom, you see. That's just, a, that's just a legal work that's done. It gives us position. But in order for us to be allowed in... The adoption itself is not enough. There has to be something changed in us. And that change takes place by the new birth. 
That's how that change comes in us. That's where we are given that new nature that is put in us. So it is this part that is absolutely necessary. There is no other possible entry into the kingdom of God without this new birth. The new birth has to be there because it is the new birth that makes us holy. It makes us justified. It makes us right before God because it is that work that was accomplished for us in Christ Jesus. It's that work that pays for our sins. It's that work that that works in us that change and turns our old dead stony hearts into hearts of flesh, as the Scripture says. It's, It's in the work of the new birth that we are awakened to God. That's where we are made spiritually alive, you see. And so the, the new birth is an absolute necessity for the kingdom of God. We have to have that new birth. And notice with me some of these things that are concerning the nature of the new birth. First of all, as we've said over and over again, it is not, it is not the eradication of the old nature. The old nature is still there. It's still very much there. The new birth Rather, though, is the changed heart or a new heart put in us. That's that new nature that Paul describes that is put in us, that is sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. That new nature is that real part of us, that real part of us that is from God. That's what comes in in the new birth. But the old nature is still very much a part of us. The old flesh is still there. And so in that flesh, we still fail God. We still sin. We still come short. We still, we still fail Him constantly. But that new birth brings, to, brings that life in us, that new nature, the Spirit of Christ in us. And so now there is, as Paul describes, and we've talked about before, that warfare between the old nature and the new nature in us. And that's one of the assurances that we know we are the children of God is is that fight within us constantly and our hatred for the sins of the old nature. That we we just hate them being there. That's one of the proofs of the new birth taking place in us. The new birth is a changed heart, a new nature. Man no longer, as we read this morning in Romans chapter 6, no longer bound by sin, Sin no longer rules us, um, but the old nature is still very much present. As Paul tells us there in Romans chapter 7. But there, there is now a change because of the new nature. Uh, go over to Psalm 27. Hold your place here in John 3. Go back to Psalm 27 and look with me there in verse number 4. 27 and verse number 4. David begins this psalm, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Then he says in verse 4, 
He says, one thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Lovely verse. Love that verse. But David is saying, because of what He is or what He has in the Lord, because the Lord is His light and salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be Afraid Because of this, David says, the one thing I want, the thing that I desire above everything else is to dwell in the house of the Lord. To be there in His presence. He says, the one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. We have a desire, you see, that comes by the new birth. In this changed heart, we now have a desire for the things of God. We have a desire for Him. I I love how David puts that there in verse 4, to behold the beauty of the Lord. The Bible tells us that His beauty is His holiness. His beauty is His holiness. And so suddenly now, where once we were only spiritually dead by the new birth, we see now the the beauty of our Lord and we desire to understand it more, to see more of it, you see. And so to, 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 to grow in that understanding of who our God is, to the to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temples. In Psalm 42, look with me there, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. He says here, as the heart panted, and that's a deer, in case you're wondering what's not the heart here, it's spelled different. This is a deer is what's being spoken of here. So as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That is the heart, should be the heart of the child of God. That we desire the presence of our Lord, that we desire to be with Him, the desire to to be where He is at, learning of Him, beholding His beauty, as David says. This comes by the new birth. This is what's worked in us. The wonder of who our God is and what He's accomplished on our behalf. So it's not an eradication of the old nature, but it is... Of putting in us a new nature and changing our heart to desire the presence of our God, to learn more of Him, to, to behold His beauty. Now, secondly, it's not getting religion. It's not getting religion. Man is by nature 
religious. And, and we can see that simply by just looking around at the world today and all the, the, all the religions in every part of this world uh, and the things that men worship and the crazy things that they have as part of that worship. Uh, it, it, it just really gets, it really gets silly at some of the things that man attaches to his worship. Uh, you have parts of India where they are, are starving at times. Uh, it's not all the time. It seems like it comes in cycles, but times when they are starving and there's cows walking all over it. They won't kill a cow because the cow is sacred in their religion. A cow is, 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 is a part uh, and it's, it's the, believed to be the, the highest form of reincarnation. And so they won't kill a cow because that might be their grandma or something, you know. And so they won't do that. That's her reincarnated. And that's the highest form. So they won't. That, that's, that's the next, that's the level right before she has nirvana, before that goes, goes into the highest, uh, highest expanse of the consciousness of the eternal life. So they won't kill a cow. And so they got all these cows walking around over there, but nobody, they, they pet on them and, and uh, uh, love on them and everything else, but they wouldn't dare make a hamburger because the religion tells them not to. It, it, it gets silly. I mean, really, it gets silly uh, in some of the things that man will worship and some of the things he attaches to his worship. And so this, it's, man is naturally religious. And so man, the reality is man can get religion. He can die and go to hell. Religion is not the new bird. Religion does not save. I, uh, there's a song that we used to sing all the time, give me that old time religion, you know. I know they didn't mean nothing by it, but that just that song aggravates me to death for this very reason. Uh, we're not getting a religion; we're getting Christ, um, and it, it can very easily, very easily, be confused by man to think that all I need to do is get religion. All I need is religion, and again, man can get religion; he can die. And lift his eyes in hell because religion doesn't save. It is merely, at best, it is merely a covering. At best. Uh, it, is not, it is not salvation. It is not human reformation. Uh, this is another that a lot of people are depending on. They'll turn over a new leaf. They'll change their habits. They'll, they'll do differently from this day forward. They, they, will, they will somehow reform themselves and make themselves better. Uh, and it might be good for them. It might make them healthier. It might, might make them more clear-headed. They might become a more productive citizen. They might become, just as far as everyone else is concerned, a very good person because of the reforms that they make in their life. But it does not save them. It does not give them God's grace. Doesn't matter what kind of leaf you turn over. It doesn't matter what kind of habits you kick. Salvation only comes in Christ Jesus. You must be born again. You cannot simply by 
kicking some bad habits that will not secure salvation, that will not secure heaven for you. Yet many believe that very thing. They believe they'll just try harder. They'll do more. They'll stop these things and do these things. I, I, how many times I've heard people, and I always say that they don't matter. You need to come on anyway. We invite people to church, and one of the well, you know what? I've just got some. I've got a lot of bad things in my life right now, and I just need to give those things up first, and then I'll come. Be glad to come, but I'll give those things up first, and you won't ever come. Then you won't ever come. You won't ever come visit. You won't ever see because you need to be born again. It's not. It's not in. It's not in kicking these things out of our life, but it is in having Christ Jesus. Must be born again. In the fall of man, man was perverted in himself. He was blinded to spiritual truth. His heart is thoroughly corrupted because of that that fall. His conscience was defiled. His will became enslaved to his nature that he cannot rise above that sinful nature. But in regeneration, all this is reversed in the new man. We are enabled by the quickening power of the Spirit now, as the children of God, to choose holiness. Be ye holy, he says, as I am holy. We can choose holiness. Now we realize that it is a constant struggle for us. That we can't do it in and of ourselves. That we must have Christ. That we must be depending on Him. That we must be leaning on our Lord and, and holding fast to Him. Because uh, we can't do it ourselves. Without me, He says, you can do nothing. We need Him for everything. But this, this new nature allows us, you see, to choose holiness. Where the old nature did not allow it at all, had no part with it. And so this, this new nature that is given us in the new birth allows us, by the power of the Spirit of God, to choose holiness. The new birth is a work of God. It is supernatural, the work that He performs. In uh, John chapter number 1, he tells us there in verse 13. We'll read verse number 11 and 12 as well. It says, He came, not in, uh, came unto His own, His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So we see here this work of salvation that is accomplished in us is a work of God. It is not by man that it is accomplished, nor is it by His will that it is accomplished, but it is in God that this is accomplished. Again, he says, it's, it came to us which were born, that new birth is what he's describing there, 
which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It's God that has wrought this in us. It is God that gives to us this new birth. And it is a sovereign act of God. He says there in verse 8 of our text, in John chapter 3 and verse number 8, Nicodemus asks the question, how can a man enter when he's old? How can he be born again? Did he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, well, he's very, very I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And then he says in verse number 8, The wind bloweth where it, where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. He said you see the wind blow, you see the effects of it. You don't actually see the wind, you see the effects of it. You don't know where it's coming from until it hits. You don't know where it's going after it leaves from where it's at. And that's just like the Spirit of God. He comes on the heart of an individual when, when most times they're not even looking for it. They're not expecting it. And suddenly there, He's there present with them. He works that work of the new birth in them. He's the one that accomplishes that. It's not something they're even looking for sometimes. Most times, it's not even something they, they have understanding of in the moment. And suddenly there it is. The Spirit of God is on them. And they, I have Christ. I have to have Jesus. I I have to have Him as Lord and Savior. And He's He's worked in them a new birth. He's given life where once there was only death. He's the one that works that in us. It is a sovereign act of God that brings to pass this new birth in an individual. He is the one that accomplishes that. He is the one that works that in us as He brings to pass this work of this new birth. And it comes by, as he says there in verse number 5, it comes by the Word and by the Spirit there. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It comes by the, the Word and by the Spirit to bring to pass that new birth in us. And so it is a... A work of God, and thereby it is a supernatural work. Lightning and thunder are works of God, but He has brought them to pass by laws of nature. How those things come to pass. A fleshly birth is a blessing from God, yet too it has natural processes that, that the Lord has worked to bring those things to pass. However, the new birth comes by no natural law. There's nothing that we can do outwardly to bring to pass the new birth in us. The new birth, in fact, defies natural law. Uh, naturally, man chooses sin. Naturally, man will only rise to where his sinful nature allows him to rise. can't rise above that. The new birth brings us above that. The new birth brings, brings life where once... There was only death. The new birth changes the natural. It changes the natural. And so this, this is a supernatural work that is accomplished in us. 
It is also instantaneous. Uh, all examples given to us in the Scripture of the new birth show an instantaneous change in the person's life. That don't mean we're, we're suddenly uh, sanctified uh, in ourselves. Uh, it doesn't mean we've got it all, have all the knowledge at that point, but it is it, the, the birth itself, the salvation that is given us, it is finished in that new birth. It all comes to us at one time in that new birth. Some declare they were saved over a period of years. Uh, well, we may have been convicted over a period of years, uh, but the salvation takes place instantaneous. That new birth uh, takes place instantaneous. Um, and we know this because we cannot have an unregenerated believer or a regenerated unbeliever. It, it happens all together, you see. That salvation takes place. Belief follows immediately that new birth as it comes to pass in us. And so it is instantaneous. And it is not complete until repentance and faith have been wrought in the soul of the individual. Repentance and faith, as we looked at a few weeks ago, they are inseparable graces. And they are both given by God to those regenerated saints. And this too is instantaneous. It, it also works in us immediately with the new birth. And so it, it is complete with that repentance and faith that happens with the new birth. So how is the new birth accomplished? Well, we read there in verse 5 down through verse number 8, he gives us the example there that it comes by water and by the, the Spirit. And then he says in verse number 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The new birth does not come by education. It does not come by culture. It does not come by baptism. But rather it comes by the Spirit of God, using the Word of God to change our hearts. We can read there in uh, Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. Um, this is extremely important, what is given us here in this text, uh, because in... Uh, the uh, other versions, and I, I don't, I don't even know how, how the the skept, I should call it the skeptical versions. Uh, the skeptical versions of the scripture that are out there leave out these verses, uh, particularly verse number thirty-seven of Acts chapter number eight, and it is essential uh, to the understanding of uh, what the scripture is teaching here in regards to salvation. Philip, the deacon, 
was an apostle of the Lord Jesus. He is sent by the Spirit of God to go down into Gaza. There he meets the Ethiopian eunuch who was the head of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And Philip meets him there uh, as this man, this uh, Ethiopian eunuch, this servant of Candace. He was a Jewish proselyte that had come up to Jerusalem to worship, and he was on his way home. Candace had given him charge over all of her treasury, but I guess he had vacation days. And so he went up to Jerusalem to worship. He's on his way back. And on his way back, he's reading from the book of Isaiah. So he had some wealth, uh, this particular guy, because he could afford the book of Isaiah. And so he's got the book of Isaiah. He's reading it there. And it's not like him holding this, right? He's got the scroll of Isaiah that he's reading from in his chariot. Philip catches up to him there. And Philip asks him, uh, 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 well, let me just start here, verse 32. It says, the place of Scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shear, he openeth not his mouth. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for his life was taken from the earth? That's from Isaiah chapter 53. Oh, what a wonderful passage. And he's reading from that. Philip comes there to him, and, and of course Philip had asked him, what, what are you reading? And he tells him uh, what, he, what he was reading there. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Is Isaiah talking about himself here, or is he talking about somebody else? Who is he talking about? It says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Okay? And as they went on their work, on their way, they're still riding along in the chariot there. Must have been a pretty good-sized chariot. They've got the, the scroll of Isaiah laid out there. Uh, uh, Philip and, and the eunuch are inside. He's got probably a driver that's driving the chariot for him. So it's probably a pretty good size chariot that they're riding in. And, and as they're going along, it says they, uh, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I, I see you all. I've seen you myself up there in Jerusalem. I've watched as, as you all baptized people up there that, that were believers. There's water. I, I, what hinders me then to be baptized? He heard the message that was proclaimed to him concerning Christ. And he knew, I need, I need what you've told me about. I need Christ. He had that understanding. But he immediately went to what he saw. The work that would follow. He saw what men would do. Those that were believing, they were being baptized. There's water. What hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, I love this. Oh, this, that verse, verse 37, is so important. They leave that whole verse out in these skeptical versions. And I, I tell you, this is so important. I love this verse. Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, Thou mayest. Now, notice he didn't tell him what to believe. I love that part about it. 
If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. The Ethiopian eunuch tells him what he believes. He tells him what he believes. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, in him stating that, that Ethiopian eunuch, who was a Jewish proselyte, who was a worshiper of the Jewish religion, who understood the things of the Old Testament, was desiring to look into them and understand more, probably had an understanding about the Messiah and what was promised concerning him coming. He just had made himself, by that statement, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He made himself an enemy to the Jews by making that statement. He, he left by making that statement. He left his former religion and became a follower of Christ. We miss that in our society. We miss that in our culture because it's easy because of the freedoms that we have and, and the freedom that we enjoy, the freedom of religion and things that we enjoy, it's easy for people to say they believe whatever they want to believe. Even when it doesn't make any sense. Even when it's absolutely good. We see that firsthand in our society today. It don't cost people anything to say they're a Christian and continue on in the lifestyle that they live. And so we miss a little bit of that in our culture, in our society. In other parts of the world, that's not the case. If you say you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you've made yourself an enemy to them. That's becoming more and more a reality today in our culture. But for many years, that's not been the case. It's becoming more so in our culture today. But this, this new birth is accomplished. Not by these things. And Philip illustrates that. The, the Ethiopian eunuch saw, he knew, this is one of the works that you all do. You all, you all are baptized. Whenever, whenever there's a new believer, they, there's a baptism. that they're, they're, they're washed. They go down in the water. I, I want that too. So what, what hinders me from doing this act? From doing this work? And Philip says, well, you have to believe first. First comes that belief. First, first you must believe. First, there needs to be that new birth. And then when that then you can do these other things. But first comes the new birth. That has to take place first. And and again he says, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Wonderful verse there. But it's, it's not by work that we do. It's not by Christian works that we do. It is only by the new birth. Only by the new birth worked in us by God. It is by the quickening of the Spirit of God using the Word of God to bring us to Christ Jesus. And Jesus says all that come to him, he will in no wise cast out. All that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And so it is accomplished 
it is accomplished in this new birth. Worked by the Spirit of God. Next time we'll get into some evidences of the new birth on Wednesday. And we'll look at some of those evidences of what it produces in us as signs that truly we are born again. Let's all stand and we'll be dismissed tonight.